Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. Izzy House turns the lens of marketing onto the space industry. She has experience in public affairs, outreach, and marketing. She aims to empower space companies with marketing tactics that are successful in the space industry, as well as strategies that can be adapted from other industries. She's the author of Space Marketing, Competing in the New Commercial Space Industry, and her latest book, Space Marketing, Spaceports, Communicating with Stakeholders, Communities, and Key Leaders. And she joins me now on the Xterra podcast. Izzy, great to talk to you again. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Let's just kind of jump right into this thing with the new book here. How, does, how is space marketing or space ports different than just space marketing? Well, if the, both books started because when I decided to take my career into the space industry about five years ago now, I saw that there was a need. When I first began my career, it was inside an, an environmental technology incubator back in the mid-90s. The, this, comp- this particular incubator had all these little baby businesses in it that had wonderful technology that would improve our planet. I mean, it was life-changing technology. It was like how to deal with waste. It was watershed. It was cleaning electricity, um, reusing water. It was wonderful tech. And to my knowledge, only one of them made it out of the incubator. Most of them thought that if you came up with a cure, that the world would flock to you. But marketing is what makes you exist. If you don't have any bullhorn, you don't have any outreach, any promotion, nobody's going to know you're there. And when I, I started to get involved in the space part of it, I saw the same type of thing that you have all these geniuses that have cool inventions that are life-changing and marketing is something that they really are not familiar with. And until recently, the space industry really hasn't had to deal with it. You know, most of it has been just wooing NASA or wooing a few investors and then you're done. That, that was the epitome right. of what you did as outreach. And so now you have... Uh, uh, between 70 and 80 countries with space programs and you have multiple companies competing for the same projects and now it's a different landscape and you have businesses that are good at marketing that are getting involved as well and um, it's it's a different ball game and so I created the book to, to help introduce what marketing is, how to use it, because a lot of people don't really understand what this thing marketing is. And to give them credit, it is kind of vague. The definition is very vague. And basically, it's everything that you do to make your company heard. It's the establishing the relationship with your audience. It's establishing conversation. It's there are even aspects of marketing that have to do with how you smell. I mean, scent marketing is a thing. And um, so smell a vision is a thing, I guess, then, huh? <laughs> well, you may not have been aware of it, but like uh, when you would walk into Whole Foods before Amazon got them, mm-hmm. uh, there was a particular smell that when you walked into the store that you had, and it would remind you of where you were. And 
that, you know, that is part of it. Smell is very deep into our psyche. Oh, you're, you're not old enough to remember a chain called Woolworths that there was one in the town where I grew up and it all you always knew when you walked through the door of Woolworths that that's where you were. So yes. I guess that's been around for a long time. Yes, it's very powerful. It's like, a, have you ever gone back to your old school when you were in elementary school and that smell hits you and you're right back there? I haven't been back to my elementary school for a long time. <laughs> and but, and if, if I'm lucky, I won't have to. <laughs> right, right. It, it normally takes us right back to that moment we that we had that experience. So it's very deep. And uh, so there's a whole facet of marketing that's just dedicated to that. So what's different about marketing to spaceports then? Well, again, they haven't had to do it. And the... It's like having an airport without funding and okay. you're relying on people to get you funding. You're relying on the community to help support you. You're relying on the key leaders, the governors, the mayors, you know, all these people to support you. And then it's still very hard to do. So you have a very small group of people that are trying to launch a spaceport and there's just a whole different dynamic you know you've got to deal with the community you've got to get the community on board and how do you do that that's uh, i think a little bit more of a challenge than well it's a different challenge than trying to get somebody to support your product like if you want somebody to buy your product you have a different story that you tell but this is somebody wanting the community to support their being there and so right. you have to really kind of be a part of that community and th there's all kinds of challenges for example we just had one spaceport that did not make it and the challenge was the community the there was a few key members of the community that didn't want their uh their their property to be around a spaceport and they funded this whole cancel campaign uh where basically it was misinformation going out to try to stop it and and they won so you know information is very valuable to get out there and when you have somebody that's doing a misinformation campaign against you which happens a lot nowadays mm -hmm. you know how do you fight that and misinformation is very easy to spread now i mean everybody with a with a microphone and a computer or a keyboard can have the same level of voice as, you know, an official. And it's the, the story that you tell about the spaceport that didn't make it sounds reminiscent of um, of the one in South Georgia, uh, which that, was, that's the one that's the one that's fighting environmental concerns. And, and, you know, I, in that instance, I could almost see both sides. I live near there. And of course, there's a spaceport here in Jacksonville, and we've got Kennedy Space Center right down the road. Um, but the one that was in going to be in Georgia, there were some places that were going to be that, that could have potentially had some some uh, adverse impact from launches. And I guess the the spaceport people did not do a good enough job convincing folks that that there wasn't going to be any issue because we I followed right. that story fairly closely. And uh, that that was 
kind of my point in the book is that, you know, when you sit back and you're afraid to say anything or in, in, it's really important to get out into the community and to make sure that your side is heard, because this is the part they don't tell you about in a lot of those news stories is that the where the spaceport was going was a chemical factory that was dumping chemicals into the, the area. And before that, it was an ammunition dump or an ammunition factory that had a bunch of chemicals. So by putting a spaceport in there, they were going to be actually cleaning it up. And mm -hmm. that's the story that did not get out there. So all these this chemicals and, and stuff that's in that particular place is making people sick. Right. So the environmental was a good track for the misinformation to happen. How often does a spaceport like that fail, though? I mean, it seems like that I'm hoping that that was kind of a, an isolated case. Normally, when people look at some place to put a spaceport, OK, here in, in Jacksonville, they put it at what was a, a Navy master jet base. Um, so and it's a vertical launch spaceport and it doesn't have I mean, it's it's purpose built for things to, to fly. And so it kind of made sense as long as they keep their safety zones proper. Um, but they only have to have the same safety zones as they would for a normal airplane because everything's vertical launch. Um, then you get in things like Spaceport America, which is in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Uh, the one that's up in Alaska, and I can't think of what that is, um, it is, you know, very remote. Wallops Island is is not, I mean, it's, it's on a military base, so they don't have to worry about those kinds of things quite so much. How how challenging is it for people to find places to put spaceports and do they look in the right places? Well, it is a very big challenge to find a place for a spaceport because you need the right aerospace, you need the right amount of land, you need the right population, you need the right trajectory. And so it is a very big challenge just to find the location. But then you have the challenge of funding. There is no funding right now. And let to take a step back on why spaceports are important in the first place is that you have all these countries that have space programs and the they're all setting up these spaceports to be able to fly out of. You have two different types of spaceports. You have a vertical and a horizontal launch type. type. The horizontal is like uh, Cornwall just did with Virgin Orbit. Mm -hmm. And that was a horizontal take takeoff. But then you have the vertical. And in the United States, we only have four places that can do vertical launch. And three of which, or... Uh, most of them are on the East Coast. And if we have a powerful hurricane come through, mm -hmm. it can wipe out our ability to get to space. Now, why is that important? Because you have our whole lives are up in space right now, and most people don't realize it. There's kind of a disconnect between you know people in thinking about space and thinking about their daily lives. Everything we do is by satellite now. You, the fact that we're talking right now is all satellite, our phones, mm -hmm. our weather, our traffic, it, it all comes from satellite. And if you can imagine a, a non-friendly country grabbing a hold of our satellites, what, what devastation that would do. And if we didn't have the way to get more satellites up, how crippled would we be? So we need more vertical launch spaceports badly 
um, the cadence for rocket launches has never been higher and the need has never been higher and the demand for the technology that it brings has never been higher. But there are so many factors that go into it. And I do want to, I do want to turn the page and talk about a couple of other things here. But when you talk about um, the location of the spaceport, I mean, Kennedy Space Center is where it is for a reason, because the rotation of the Earth helps fling, fling rockets into orbit. It's just right. a fact. Um, and so you do have to take those things into considerations because the rocket company says, well, how much more additional fuel do I have to have to make the orbit that I want from a spaceport that's not ideally located? So there, there are so many factors that we could probably talk about that for an hour. <laughs> we could, we could. But let's turn the corner a little bit, Izzy, because the economy is kind of right now in a post-COVID environment. And we're looking, a lot of people say, at a post-COVID recession. And we've seen some Chapter 11 filings. Uh, Virgin Orbit uh, recently yes. filed for Chapter 11. Spacelink has failed due to issues with its parent company, Electro-Optic Systems. Is this the time to increase or adapt marketing efforts? Marketing, like I said, most people misunderstand what marketing is. They think it's just advertising, which there's so many different facets to marketing. Advertising is one of them. And uh, but you also have education. You also have public affairs. You have outreach. And there are so many facets to what goes into marketing that if you don't market, people don't know you exist and you can't get your story out there. So I would say that uh, marketing should always be present. And um, there are a few reasons why companies fail. And um, one of them is that they don't have a good market fit. They have business plan problems and they don't have enough money. And uh, marketing is number four on a, a list. But I would like to actually say that marketing should be in the first two. So when you are looking at a market fit, you should be talking to your audience through marketing of some sort and, de and determine what it is that the market needs in the first place before you, you, you know, when you develop a product and you try to like force it down people's throat, you mm -hmm. know, because I made this product, so you need it. But really, they should be talking to the market first to say, okay, is this something you want? And I'm talking about just traditional businesses here. So having a good market, having a good product fit involves marketing and your plan should always include how are you going to get the word out? How are you going to tell your story? How are you going to develop a relationship with your audience? And uh, that needs to be first and foremost in your plan. So marketing is, is three out of the four reasons why somebody a company may fail and i don't know why virgin orbit was um failed i i haven't researched that but i, say, I, I was going to say i mean it's, it's attached to sir richard branson who's one of the most shameless self-promoters there ever was yeah he's, so. a, he's a beautiful marketer so um but marketing was not the issue with virgin orbit you know i was very aware of what they were doing and whenever i reached out to them they had they they were they did it wonderfully, so mm -hmm. um, it, it's a little bit deeper than that. So I, it was it saddened me very much to see that company go because they were a bunch of very good people, and uh, they had just 
accomplished a, a feat of launching a horizontal rocket from European soil, which mm -hmm. was a huge feat. And it's but unfortunately, they didn't make their assigned orbit. But I can't imagine that one failure like that was going to to sink that company. That that does have more that needs to be looked into because that one that one failure. I don't think should have sunk that company. So it's got to well, run way deeper than that. It, well, let's look at uh, SpaceX, for example. You know, when <laughs> they first run, launched or when they did that one test launch for the Falcon 9, mm -hmm. Elon Musk had everything into it. If it had failed, the company would have failed. So, you know, maybe we're looking at something simpler that, you know, because that rocket didn't end up in orbit, that it, it, it was catastrophic for him. Well, Elon always said, though, that he was going to launch, blow some up, learn things, launch, blow it up, learn things, and eventually they wouldn't blow up. So I, I think he had that as part of as his business plan um, from the beginning. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in I'm not in Elon's head. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think many of us are. <laughs> so so is he what new challenges do you see with this tightening economy and apparently shrinking investment landscape? Well, if we just take regular business, it has been an extremely big challenge. You know, just business in general is a very big challenge. And um, only 25% of the businesses that ever start ever make it to 15 years in existence. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you add on the pandemic and then you add on the supply chain shortage and then you add on the inflation. And it is a very, very tough market that a lot of your businesses have had to go through. And space is no different. You know, it, it, space is hard. What you're doing is hard. And business is hard. So you take both of those things and you've got a double challenge there. So I'm talking marketing, with, go ahead. Marketing should always be some, a part of your plan and a part of what you're doing to get your word out and your story out. I'm talking with Izzy House on the Xterra podcast. Take a moment right now to be sure you click subscribe so you don't miss any of our podcasts. Or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from Xterra, the Journal of Space Commerce. Let's talk about your podcast just a little bit, Izzy, because you started this recently and it's called, not surprisingly, the Space Marketing Podcast. So Thanks. give us some deets. Uh, well, uh, last July, I started the podcast because pretty much of COVID, it's, you can stem that to COVID. I launched my first book, you know, which was Space Marketing Competing in the New Space Economy or space, New Commercial Space Industry. And I started writing my second book, which was on spaceports. And I had a lot of people I wanted to interview for it, but it was becoming a challenge to get people to do a Zoom call. And we can all relate to that. It was just one more Zoom call. And we were all Zoomed out. So I started looking at a different way of getting the, the interviews. And I had a I had good experiences, including one on this podcast that you. said, you know, this a podcast may be a very good venue to do it. It's it took me a little bit to commit to it because it's 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 its own life. And but that's how I ended up getting a lot of the interviews that I needed for my second book. And they, it was awesome. And so many. I, I, I love doing the podcast because it helps me satisfy that 
yearning to learn more about space. And it gives the space companies a platform in order to tell their story. And it gives businesses a little hint into you know, what they do that's successful, what they do that's not successful, and you know how to take marketing a little bit. And uh, now I'm using that same podcast to write my third book. And it is on space industries. Okay. Sounds fun. We'll look forward to it and we'll have you on again when that comes out. Um, and that's something that, that the, there are so many, as you pointed out earlier in this, in this podcast, there, there are so many, so many companies that are out there that no one knows anything about. And, and we're learning about them as well as we, as we go through. But what really surprises me is the number of companies who, which, which don't, uh, which don't reach out to people like you or like uh, as a podcaster or me, who is creating a, a basically a platform for those companies to tell their stories. And I can't find a news release, let alone anything in depth. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of those things that I, I hope through your efforts, a lot more of these companies will say, you know what, we, we need to do a news release and get it out generally once in a while so people will know what we're doing. <laughs> it's, it, it's sometimes a little frustrating, as I'm sure you found it is as well. Well, and like I said, marketing is, is misunderstood. A lot of people equate that to advertising or sales, which sales are, is, is the human touch, you know, right. when, with anything. It's, it's how you help the people that you're serving. But um, marketing is seen as something that's an annoyance and mm -hmm. irritating and interruptive, which advertising can be. And advertising has suffered quite a bit because they have not pivoted or adapted to the new market and the new expectations of the audiences. And uh, But marketing is so much more than that. You know, NASA marketed the Apollo program, and that's how they were able to get the community, the, the American public on board to spend the most it's ever spent in any type of space endeavor. And it was through marketing. And, uh, you know, so it is powerful stuff. You have to know, let you have to get your story out there or else no one will know you exist. And, and I love the ones that say, well, what I do is a secret. Well, <laughs> you know, to a certain degree, I, I do not pro you know, proponent, I'm not a proponent of telling your secrets, you know, don't right. tell your secrets, but give, you know, during the Apollo program, it, it, what we were doing, most of it was a secret. We were going against the Russians and to see who could get to space the quickest. So we didn't want to give any valuable information out, but we did want to teach the, the American public what was important about what was happening and right. give kind of an overview on what space was, what a capsule was, how it worked. And um, so you can give a general idea of what your story is and why you're doing it. And uh, that's not giving away any secrets. And most people wouldn't understand it anyway. I mean, they, they understand <laughs> that it's that a, the capsule is, they might not even, a lot of folks might not even understand the term pressure vessel, but they understand that it's something that keeps, keeps the air in and the space out. Um, and beyond that, they, I think if you started to try and explain it all to them, their eyes would glaze over. And that's not good marketing either. No, no. Over talking, your, you've got to connect with your audience. 
And, and that's where a lot of advertising is struggling, a lot of advertising agencies, because they're so used to just throwing their message out and forcing it on people that they don't know that they have to listen now. That is a conversation. Tell us a little bit about Space for Kentucky and what you're doing with them. Okay. Well, when I started writing the Spaceport book, I said, well, you know, uh, experience is the best lesson. And I am a, obviously, like I said, I, I think spaceports are very important. They're important for a couple of different way, reasons. One is to get to space, but two is the economy that surrounds the space. You know, for example, you've got manufacturing, you've got education, you've got tourism, you've got all these things that rotate around space. And if you have a spaceport, even if they don't do launches, they can still support space activities. They can do launch services, you know, because launch services don't necessarily have to be at the location. Um, they can do orbit services. They can build the rockets. And with Kentucky, we have a river that surrounds a good portion of our state that goes right to the Mississippi, which goes right to the Gulf, which goes right to Cape. And... So we can build the rockets and we can get them there. And uh, one of the things that we already have in Kentucky is Moorhead University, which they do small satellites. And there was a, uh, one of their satellites was on the, the, the Artemis One, and mm -hmm. it was to determine water on the moon. Now, unfortunately, the, the rocket sat so long in salt air that, you know, that was a different issue. But we, you know, they, they build satellites there and they teach satellites. So in the middle of Kentucky, so, you know, yeah, Kentucky needs that spark. We had the coal industry has been around in Kentucky for a long right. time, but the coal industry imploded and now it's no longer there. And so you have a whole section of state of the state that the coal was the main economic driver that is gone. So a spaceport that teaches about space, inspires about space, builds for space, it can be a hub of positive economic growth. So even if you're not doing vertical launch, you know, you can do horizontal launch and then I'm not even getting into the supersonics, but you've got mm -hmm. supersonic point to point that's getting ready to happen. And um, there's just so many reasons to have one. And I talk about that in my book. And so I started walking through the process and I set up a round table, which was one mm -hmm. of the things that I saw that worked for many different areas. And once every two months, I have a panel on that introduces space to Kentucky or anybody else that's watching. It doesn't have to necessarily be for Kentucky and um, shows all the different cool stuff that's happening in space that people in Kentucky can maybe say, oh, I didn't know that. And um, so we did, we had jobs in space one in January. We just finished with transfer technology, which we had uh, NASA and we had the Space Foundation and we had two companies that used space technology to actually do build their product. So it's just an example. So I love space for Kentucky. So you're heading up marketing for this year's space tourism conference as well, which is coming up in LA uh, later on this month. So talk about, um, talk about what's going on with that a little bit. Um, 
last year I went to the space tourism conference and it was right as the pandemic was letting out and we were able to start to, to get around. And I tell you, it was the most fun I've ever had at a conference. All the people that were there, I had met online during the, the, the pandemic and we created a little community. So I got to see them for the first time in, in real life. And it was almost like a family reunion. It was the most fun I have ever had at a conference. And uh, so I, um, I'm helping out a bit with some of their, their pieces and promotion as much as I can, you know, and uh, I will be speaking at it as well. And what is that panel? It is going to be on marketing. Shocking. You know? <laughs> Shocking, yes. <laughs> so we're going to, you know, space tourism itself, it, it has lots of different layers. It is the entertainment that surrounds space. You know, when we're sitting there watching a movie about Star Wars, you know, that's space mark. That's a space tourism type of, of thing. We have theme parks in, you know, we have um, museums, you know, Space Kennedy Center is a great example of, you know, uh, what a space tourist can, the power of space tourism, because I know it was at Space Kennedy Center that I was at the Atlantis exhibit when I decided that I could combine both my passions, my passion for mm -hmm. marketing and my passion for space. And um, it was at that moment, at that particular museum that inspired me to do that so you and then of course you have the space tourism where you have you know civilians that are going up into space and, and are commercial astronauts and uh you know there's a couple of different terms swirling around there but you have everything in between it's really a dynamic and and there's a lot of it is a way of marketing space mm -hmm. as well and getting the, your audience involved. So it is a conduit that's very, very vital. Um, this upcoming year, we're looking at two different space events that could change how space is, you know, space right now is going through a, a lag with all the other businesses because of all the things we were talking about earlier. But we have the Dear Moon project that is due to launch and go take eight people around the moon that are all artists. They're all musicians, poets, you know, photographers, and they're going to go around the moon. Well, a few months after that, we have Artemis II, which we just got the crew selected for, that's going to be going around the moon. Now, those two events, how is that going to change how we see space as a people on the planet? We're going to get excited about it. And then that's what you know, so space tourism is a vital marketing component to, you know, whether or not you're putting up satellites, you want, you want it to succeed and space tourism is important for that. I think, as I'm thinking here, your doom, your dear moon example brings up something else because, um, I mean, that is, that is predicated on SpaceX being given a license to launch Starship um as as a human rated spacecraft right um so how do you work with a company who is trying to sell a dream rather than something physical because that's right now in in most people's minds is a dream 
Right. And, you know, but we've seen a lot of people go up. You know, we had Virgin Galactic that started us off into 2021, you know, Blue Origin, which you know, I think they've had six flights up to now. And um, then you have Space Perspectives, which is getting ready to launch as well. So you have a lot of other types that are, are making it real. And let me ask you, have you ever seen Elon not do what he had planned to do? Not intentionally. <laughs> not intentionally. So, um, you know, every endeavor he has he has bullseyed on has some way happened and been profitable. I mean, from PayPal to, you know, we'll, we'll see about Twitter. But, um, but uh, you know, he's he's hit every milestone he's ever aimed for. So I have full confidence that Starship will will do what is purported to do and. You know, we also have Polaris Dawn, which is another mm -hmm. mission that he's going to be sending up. So I'm excited to see what all of that happens. And it is going to change our landscape for the, but, but for then, the better. But then what is the message? Because you look at, uh, I'll use Virgin Galactic as an example. They were supposed to fly, what, 15 years ago with, yes. with um, you know, with, with people on board. And they've finally got around to it. And they've done, I think, maybe have they done one or two uh, that have they've done two flights they've done two flights and years and years and years beyond where they said they would and it's almost like the over promise and under deliver so when you talk about marketing those kinds of companies and and your example about Kentucky is is notwithstanding because yeah their satellite sat on Artemis in the salt salt air and the, any of us who live in Florida understand that um, you know stuff corrodes and it does but how do you work with companies that are that are promising these grandiose things and yet are having a hard time delivering on the schedule that they said and, and Starship not Starship but uh, but uh, the Boeing CRS. 100 is another example. They're having such a hard time getting that off the ground. Maybe they'll do that in July, but it's slipped again to July. So we, and they've got a good marketing department. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a marketing issue. Yeah. That, that's no, a, that's, that's, that's a technology, technology issue. Yeah. Exactly. So, so how do well, you... um, the, the Virgin, the Virgin Galactic, you know, we can start there is that, yes, he was promising tickets. Uh, Pan Am, Back in way in back when there it? was a Pan Am, <laughs> back when there was a Pan Am, uh, they were selling tickets to the moon as well. Uh, well they weren't selling it. They were giving them away, mm. you know, to to launch their um, their new phone reservation. So Pan Am actually did that as well. So but where Virgin Galactic was, you know, Richard Branson's genius, again, is that Yes, they weren't getting the flight, but they were getting all these really cool things that were in in waiting for the the flight. You know, there's all kinds of different gatherings of all the the future astronauts for Virgin Galactic where they have a lot of benefit outside of the actual flight. Mm -hmm. So, he was he was genius in creating that situation and he used things that, you know, like having a campfire on his island you know, being invited yeah. to that. So it was things you wouldn't normally get. And it was things that he already had. And um, so that's, 
that's one of the things that I love about being uh, scrappy with your marketing is, you know, take a look at what you have and think about how you can use that as a benefit to somebody that's part of your audience. So th that's where they were able to benefit from their their long list of people. And as you can see, there's no shortage of people still signing up for that. Absolutely. We're about out of time, Izzy, but I want you to, as we, as we always ask our guests to look out over the next 10 to 15 years in space commerce and how you're participating in that and tell me what you see. Well, in the next, just in this decade, I think we're going to see some massive things happening in space. We have some space stations that are getting ready to go up. And, uh, you know, three of them are NASA, in addition to Axiom, which is going to be taking over the space station. So commercial space is getting ready to blossom in space and manufacturing, you know, taking manufacturing from space back down to space, which there's so many medical miracles and, and things like that that are on the works for that. And, and then taking manufacturing in space and developing it for further space is going to all come back down here. And, and you know, the climate is going to be a big issue as well. So all that stuff needs to be promoted. It needs to be have outreach reach, and it needs to have education. So those are major facets of marketing. So marketing, I hope, will be at the forefront and be the bullhorn for all of those great things that we're going to be seeing. Sounds like a plan. Izzy, thanks so much for your time today. And thank you for having me. That's going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. Check out our YouTube channel and be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at xterrajsc.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at xterrajsc. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.